Good morning, good morning. Good to have you all. It's not a sunny Sunday morning, but it's a Sunday morning and you're here. And it's the day that the Lord has made, so we will rejoice and be glad in it, won't we? That's exactly right. So uh, great to have you. Now, I know, I know that the weather turns out cold, but we've had 80-degree weather and we're going to have it again, so don't panic. It's going to be just great. Let's see what we have in the way of announcements. If you're visiting for the first time, please stop by the... Uh, the Welcome Center and pick up a gift from us and let us know you're here. If you're visiting online for the first time, uh, sbtnd.org slash contacts and let us know that you're out there and watching. It's always an encouragement to us. Welcome to those of you who are over in the Fellowship Hall watching for the first time, maybe for your time to be over there. So we're glad to have you. Uh, it's this afternoon at 2 o'clock we have a service and we're not having the 6 o'clock service. Are we having the 6 o'clock service tonight, Pastor John? No, we are not. As soon as I say that, somebody's going to show up here at 6 o'clock, and you're going to be all upset saying, why didn't they say that we're not having a 6 o'clock service? But anyway, at 2 o'clock this afternoon, the Tonal Defenders, that's the soccer teams from Maranatha, we always love having them in. Typically, we host a, a soccer clinic, and then they're here with us in the morning service, but we did not host the soccer clinic, and uh, so Colonial Hills hosted that. We're sharing them with Colonial Hills. They'll be here at 2 o'clock. Uh, for our part of the service, so they'll be singing and preaching at 2 o'clock this afternoon. So you can go home or go home and eat, or you can go get your bite to eat, come back, and, uh, or you can just hang around here if you want to for a couple hours, but there's no food. But you can hang around here anyway, just so you know, and then we'll have the 2 o'clock service. Uh, caregiver's resource class is this Thursday, 7 o'clock. It's continuing on, so see Ms. Glenda if you have any questions about that. Uh, teen camp campaign, so here's what you do. You grab an envelope, you uh, make out a check or put cash in for how old you are on your next birthday. And then you drop that in there, and then if everybody did that, we would send our kids to camp with some, with some change. So uh, it's a great idea. Somebody gave us the idea, Ms. Irma did, and uh, so there you are. Typically, we would ask that you would do it for over the course of the year, and then uh, we would just collect it that way. But since we didn't know about the idea until three weeks ago, we're throwing it at you right now. So uh, there you go. It's kind of a neat idea, a way to, and by the way, we make our kids earn camp money, so you donate it, we put them to work around the church or around the community, and uh, then they earn that, so great opportunity. Uh, we're having a church work day, Saturday, May the 13th, from 9 until whenever we get done, that could be like 9 the next morning, but it's not going to be, uh, but uh, that's Saturday, May the 13th, we will provide lunch for those who come out and work. We have gazillions of sticks and things that have been blown down. We, had a, we lost a couple trees this winter, which is unusual for us. But anyway, uh, most of that's been chopped up. We've got to do some of that cleanup. There's tons of things that need to be done. So uh, if you can set that uh, time aside, we'd appreciate it. Come out and get some work done around here. Ladies' Banquet is Friday, May the 12th, 6.30. Uh, right now, I think we have about 140 ladies, 135 ladies signed up, so that's exciting. So uh, uh, keep signing up. Guys, if you're available that night, we... Guys, cook, serve, and clean, all right? The ladies get to have their thing, and we do all the work. And so, uh, you know, you ladies uh, sign up for that. Guys, if you can sign up and let us know that you're available, that would be fantastic. Revival services are coming up June, tw June 4th through June 9th. That is with Dave Young, and we're looking forward to that. We've been praying about that, so we'll continue to uh, talk about that as we go on. And then our missionaries of the week are Caleb and Emily Christensen to Nigeria, and I was just trying to uh, read their most recent prayer letter, because the one that was in the book was old, and Pastor Brett said to me literally 30 seconds before the service started, did you get their new prayer letter? 
just got it yesterday. No, I haven't looked at it yet. So I'm looking at it with you uh, as we go through this. They just got through uh, a conference that was called the Who Will Go Conference. I like the title of that, the Who Will Go Conference. And he is excited about how that they're working to spread the gospel to Nigeria, as well as God's ability to provide for them. So uh, continue to pray for those things. Uh, it was wonderful, it says, getting to celebrate our little Lydia's first birthday. So uh, pray for them as they're over in Nigeria to uh, do those things as well. And then finally, they say thank you to everyone who's prayed for the national elections here in Nigeria. There was strife in place, but nothing in, some, in the palace, I'm sorry, but nothing nationwide. So uh, they would ask that you continue to pray for uh, Nigeria and those things. Let's have the men come forward. We're going to take up the morning offering at the same time, so we'll pray, open the service in prayer, and then we're going to take up the offering. I did that accidentally last week, and uh, Pastor Andrew said, you know, Pastor, why don't we just do that? That worked out well. Okay, whatever. Uh, we'll just make it happen that way. Brother Chuck, how are you feeling? Are you lying to me, Brother Chuck? I know you are, because I already talked to you about it earlier. So we've been praying for you, so would you ask the Lord's blessing on the offering? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Thank you that you love us enough to send your Son to die for us. Lord, I pray that you'll work in our lives today. Allow your Holy Spirit to use your word to convict our hearts and challenges. I pray that you'll bless this offering as we take it. Use it to further this ministry, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Growing up, I always wanted a nickname. I dreamed of having an exciting nickname like Buffalo Bill or Long John Silver. And uh, I tried to start several on my own, but they never caught on. I had a brother and a sister. Marty was my sister. She was two years younger than me, and Terry was two years younger than her. So we grew up fishing and hunting and having lots of fun. We also grew up singing a lot together, and our family would gather around. My dad played an old guitar, and he'd get it out at bedtime. We'd all gather around and sing. Mansion over the hilltop, I'll fly away, those old-time southern songs. When it came time to go to college, I went to Bob Jones. I auditioned for Dr. Garlock's choir and got in his choir. And the first Sunday that we were on Vespers, Shelley noticed me and asked her dad, who's that blonde boy in your choir? And got to grad school, graduated. Shelley and I got married, and then I started teaching. And then after about a year of teaching, I started having problems reading I noticed the vision in this eye was getting a little blurry. Went to the eye doctor just to get a pair of glasses, I thought. I looked into my left eye and saw something that kind of bothered him. And so he sent me to Emory University Hospital in Atlanta, Georgia. Over the next few months, I went back and forth and back and forth. And every time I went back to the hospital, the test got a little more serious. Finally, the last test, the doctor said, would need to be conducted in surgery. And he said, if what was in my left eye was cancer, he said, when I woke up, my left eye would be gone. <laughs> a little bit suspenseful that day. And uh, anyway, so when I came to, uh, Shelley told me, it was cancer and your left eye is gone. The following day, uh, the doctor brought Shelley in and said, you're going to need to dress this and change the bandage and everything. So he took the bandage off and started to dress it and show her how to do it. And she proceeded to faint. <laughs> the nurse caught her, and uh, I said, don't worry about her, I can do this, let me do it. The other thing I did is when I got home, I had an old pair of black boots, and I cut out a patch and made a patch, a lot like this one. Went to church the following Sunday, and a little buddy of mine came running up and said, what's that on your left eye? I said, well, it's a pirate patch. He looked at me and said, are you a pirate? And I said, I guess I am. Now, you can call me Patch the Pirate. So he ran back and told all of his little friends. Moments later, just before the service, a whole troop of them came running down to the front shouting, Ahoy, Patch the Pirate! First time I ever heard that, and heard it millions of times since, but that was the first time. And we began to travel. Dr. Garlock, my wife's dad, asked me to start traveling with him in meetings. And so we started traveling. I'd speak to the high school, he'd speak to the adults, he'd work with the adult choir, I'd work with the high school choir. And then um, we'd have a concert on, on Friday nights. I also spoke in the elementary chapel, but we didn't have any music for elementary kids. And so we had a concert where the adults sang, the high schoolers sang. And uh, the kids said, well, we want to sing too. And I said, well, we don't have any music for it. And they said, well, write some. You're Patch the Pirate. And so my first two songs were Jonah and David. Come and listen to my fearful tale. That was my first song for kids. We began to sing it every week, and then the kids uh, said, well, you've made recordings for everybody else. Can't you make one for us? And I said, well, maybe. So we quickly wrote 16 songs, and then at the last minute, I decided we could weave them together with some characters. I'd be Patch. We did it early in the morning, so I was Wally Whale. Shelley had laryngitis the day we did it, so we made her a seagull. Then I had three friends. We smurfed their voices, made them into oysters. And that was our first Patch the Pirate recording. It was a record. 
I don't know if you've ever seen a record, but it's a big black flat thing with a hole in the middle. It'd been out about three or four months, and the kids said, we need another one. The parents said, we've got to have another one. We're sick and tired of this one. So for the last 38 years, we've done one a year. And something that looked like it was, looked like it was a trial, God changed into one of the greatest blessings of our lives. God has been so good. When I got out of the hospital, I knew God was good. And I wanted to write a song to express how good God is. And so I sat down with my Bible, opened to the book of Philippians, where I kind of camped out in the hospital, began to weave together a song, and we call it Rejoice in the Lord. Well, we wanted to show that uh, with you. Uh, Ron Hamilton this week has uh, passed on to heaven. And uh, I grew up listening to him. He actually, that little picture you saw with the signature, I have a Bible with that same little thing in there, Philippians 4, 4, Ahoy, made patch the pirate. And as a kid, I was like, oh, you know, I got to meet him in person. Um, but I'm thankful for his impact on my life. And now there are over 40-some recordings. And uh, uh, his work with his wife, Sheila, and their family is pretty incredible. And they've affected our ministry. We sing a lot of their songs. And that last one he just mentioned, we're going to sing together. So if you would uh, please stand. And uh, we'll sing all three verses of Rejoice in the Lord. And now you know kind of the context behind it. Let's sing it together. God never moves without purpose or plan when trying his servant and holding a man. Give thanks to the Lord, though your testing seems long and darkness he giveth us Oh. 
scripture reading. The epistle to the Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 20. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians, assaying to do, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. May the Lord prosper his word whereto he sent it. You may be seated. Thank you, Jonathan. Next song uh, we'll sing is another famous one written by Ron Hamilton, uh, talking about just a testimony. Um, and one of the posts I saw this week, I think his wife Shelly shared, uh, she said, soon he'll be seeing his uh, Savior face-to-face with two eyes. And I thought that was pretty cool. But uh, this second verse kind of talks about uh, your faith being sight, and he's uh, seeing that now. So let's sing both verses together of I Saw Jesus and You. When I enter heaven's glory And I see my Savior's face I will offer him ten thousand years of praise. Then I'll find that special one in whose life I saw God's Son, and through tears of joy with trembling lips these words I'll say, I saw I can hear his voice in the words you said, I saw Jesus in you. In your eyes I saw his care, I could see his love was there, you were faithful, and I saw My soul is bathed in God's eternal day. When this race on earth is run, 
favorites written by Ron Hamilton. We'll sing together, Bow the Knee. What a privilege to come into God's presence, just to linger with the one who set me free. As I lift my eyes and see his awesome glory, I remember Sing that second verse and then we'll repeat the chorus after that a cappella. Sing the second chorus and the chorus a cappella. In his hand he holds the power of creation. With his voice he spoke and all things came to be. Yet he hears his simple prayer I bring before him. When I humbly seek his face and bow the knee, bow the knee, bow the knee, he is king of all the ages, bow the knee, God that chorus with just our voices. Bow the knee, bow the knee, bow the knee, bow the knee. He is king of all the ages, bow the knee. God alone on his throne, see him high lifted up and bow the knee. Oh, 
Amen. Let's stand. We'll sing one more song this morning and learn this this month. Friend of Ron Hamilton's, Chris Anderson, wrote this. We'll sing all four verses of Hosanna to the King. Hosanna to the noble King who rides down all us The blessed one of David's life, this joyful day is crowned. Hosanna to the humble King who rides upon a poor. Raise songs and palms to honor Him with all your strength and I am thine, O Lord, I have heard thy voice, and it told thy love to me. But I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer drawn to Draw me nearer, nearer to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, nearer to thy precious bleeding side. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. Let my soul look up with a steadfast hope, and my will be lost in me nearer, nearer to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, nearer to thy precious bleeding side. 
draw me nearer, nearer to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, nearer to thy precious bleeding side. Brett, I trust that's your heart's prayer today, that the Lord would draw you nearer to himself today. Take your Bible, turn to the book of Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel. So, let's see, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, am I saying that right? Anyway, it's in there someplace. In the Old Testament, get there, Ezekiel. Uh, we're, we're looking and trying to prepare ourselves for revival as we get ready for Dave Young to come in the first week of June. Uh, if you are available to help us out, with uh, cottage prayer meetings. Uh, next week we'll have sign-ups for you, to, for everyone to sign up, but uh, we, we need to finish getting our host houses. I think we have about uh, eight or nine out there currently. We'd like to get to about 12 or 13 just to make sure that we can spread everybody out easily enough and not crowd things up. And I'm asking, without apology, I'm just letting you know, I'm asking all of you to figure out a way to get to one of the cottage prayer meetings. Because I'm assuming already, I know assuming is a dangerous thing to do, but I'm assuming that you're going to come to the revival meeting, you know. So uh, that's kind of, we just go with that assumption, and then uh, let's begin to saturate with prayer and see what God has in store for us. I believe that uh, we have yet to see what God can and will do through a church that's vibrantly on fire for Him. And I think we are one of those churches. I'm being honest with you. I, I'm not suggesting that our church is, you know, is slouching in these areas, but we've just yet to see it. So uh, D.L. Moody, I think it is, is famous for saying, D.L. Moody, if you figure out the time that he trusted Christ, the time that he went home to be with the Lord, it comes out to be about 33 people per day, on average, came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior through his ministry. Wow. 33 people per day. That's incredible. And he said this, Man has not yet seen what God could do with one man who's totally surrendered to him. Amen. Wow. You know, uh, so what might God do if a church were to bow the knee and uh, surrender themselves in fresh and new ways to the Spirit of God, to be used by God in, in incredible ways? We're going to look at that again in Ezekiel chapter 47. Uh, as we're there, Ron Hamilton, you already heard, passed away last Wednesday night during our church service is when it came across the, uh, the uh, you know, Facebook and all the social media waves. So, um, but uh, wow, what a, what a powerful use of God that you know, God did through Ron Hamilton. Some of you are like, I've never heard of him. Okay, I don't know how you've missed him, but you missed out. You need to go look him up, find some of his songs. You can download them all through iTunes or whatever else you want to, whatever uh, platforms you have out there. Uh, get your kids, your grandkids to listen to them. Uh, they're character-building songs. They'll do great things for you. The ones that we were singing today were not really the kids' songs. They were uh, the, uh, the songs that he wrote for churches and choirs. 
Uh, but wow, powerful, powerful songs. I love that I Saw Jesus in You. How, how many times have we used that song over the years when someone has passed on and we would sing that and say, I saw Jesus in you. But, and you get to that second verse, as I enter heaven's glory and I see my Savior's face and my soul is bathed in God's eternal day. Then, then as I stand before the Father, I, I can't remember how, soul is bathed in God's eternal day. How's it go, somebody? I want to get the words right. And my soul is bathed in God's eternal day. No, that's the first verse. Second verse. There you go. When this race on earth is run. Thank you, J.D. And God sees the work I've done. More than anything, I long to hear my father say. Now the father's talking to us, right? This is what we want. I saw Jesus in you. I saw Jesus in you. That's powerful. That's what we long for, right? That, uh, That we would be that person, that church that has surrendered itself to God in such a way that the Father of heaven sees his Son in us. That, that, that's a game changer. It really is. And uh, we're looking here at Ezekiel chapter 47. So if we were to, if we were to um, build a dam, you know, the Hoosier Dam, the Hoosier, the, uh, the Hoover Dam... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, do we have a Hoosier Dam? I don't think we do. The Hoover Dam. Some of you have been to the Hoover Dam. It seems like just recently. How many of you have been to the Hoover Dam? Uh, several of you out there. I hear it's just amazing to see. Uh, I've not seen it. Uh, but, you know, it, it uh, stops up the water, and, and then it allows the water to be controlled and those kinds of things. And, and that's wonderful. But what we long for is for the control mechanisms to go away and for the floodwaters of the Holy Spirit of God to come in. That's what we long for. Uh, that's represented a few times in the Scripture. Uh, in the book of Zechariah, it says, And it shall be in that day that living waters shall go out from Jerusalem. In Revelation chapter 7, it says, For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them into living fountains of water, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. That's the water we long for, Right? The shall we gather at the river is the river that goes from the throne of God. And uh, that's the river we want to gather at. And that's what's being spoken of here in Ezekiel chapter 47. But the idea in the beginning of this chapter is that the water is being dammed up. That uh, it's being bottled up. What happens if we bottled up stuff, right? When we talk about bottling stuff up, we're really talking about our emotions, right? What happens if we bottle stuff up? It's usually bad, right? It explodes and not good. But it, we, don't, we don't want to bottle this up. And what happens here at the beginning of this chapter is that the, the living water of God is being bottled up inside the house of God. It's as if we come to church every Sunday and we live out this wonderful experience of the living water of God. And it's a joy, is it not, to come to church and we just, we're just fed and nurtured. It's like, this is great and then we leave it here and go on home, and we come back the next week to come to the living water, and, we just, and it's just wonderful while we're here. But the desire of God is to unleash the living water. And that's what you see here in Ezekiel chapter 47. Let's pray, and then we'll jump into this. Father, help us, God, as we approach a week of revival meeting to prepare our hearts for what you might be willing to do 
if we would only be willing to let you. Show us, God, the, not only the importance of it, but the benefit of floodgates being opened up. And Father, we will just give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, there's another song as I use that word floodgates. It just popped in my head. Thy floodgates of blessing. You guys know that song? What's that, what is this song? On, say it again. The Pentecostal power. Lord, send the old... I'm a, I, you know, these songs pop into my head like that. I'm sorry. Lord, send the old time power, that Pentecostal power. Thy floodgates of blessing on us throw open wide. That's what we're asking God to do. We're asking God to meet with us in this week of meetings and perhaps even to start that process before we get to June that God would just so open up what he wants to bestow upon us and what he wants to allow us to share outside these walls in such a way that it's a floodgate of blessings. So here we are in verse 1 of Ezekiel chapter 47. Afterward, he brought me again to the door of the house. And behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house. So here's the idea. He's coming up to the door, and there's water coming out the door. For most of us, that would be a bad thing, right? We would like, that's not exactly what you're looking for. I remember, uh, you know, the week of Mia's wedding, our basement flooded. And that wasn't fun. It wasn't blessing. It wasn't anything. It was just, that turned into a blessing. If you've seen our downstairs, it's much nicer than it was before. That's what happens when you have to rip everything out, you know. But uh, it had flooded, and uh, it was not fun. And we were trying to house people in the basement, of our, we call it a basement. It's kind of like just, you know, it has windows, so it's really not a basement. What do you call that if it's like just partially under the ground? I don't know. First floor. First floor, I guess. Yeah, but that's, that's a good way to say it. That's a, I remember my, my, we had my mother-in-law over, and uh, this is, you know, within the last year or so, and dad was in the hospital, and mom, we, we wanted to get mom down in the basement. I made the mistake of calling it a basement. The moment I called it a basement, you could see the fear kicked into her eyes. I can't go to the basement. I can't go to the basement. Mom, it's really not a basement. I can't go to the basement. And she, she just, I mean, she was not going to go. Okay, well, we didn't go to the basement. Uh, but I've always just called it the basement. That first floor, I should have called it that. She would have been just fine. But, uh, you know, usually when we think of those kinds of things, it's not a blessing. But God wants, this is a blessing. So the waters are coming out from under the door, eastward for the forefront of the house stood toward the east, and the waters came down from under to the right side of the house and to the south side of the altar. Then he brought me out of the way of the gate of the north, uh, northward and led me about the way without unto the utter gate by the way that looked eastward, and behold, there ran out waters on the right. Now, here's the idea. God's, God's about to show, here's, I want, I want to show you, he says, Ezekiel, I want to show you the blessings that the living water has, and we're bottling it up, we're, we're containing it, and, and it's not a good thing. God's desire is that we would take what we get here on church every Sunday out to the world with us that so desperately needs what we're getting fed every week. And we come together, and the, the fellowship is sweet. The Spirit of God is a, is a wonderful thing, and we come into the house of God and and it's a rejoicing for us. But we're, we're not always doing our job to getting it outside. But look at verse 3. It says, And when the man had the line in his hand, went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits and brought me through the waters. The waters were to the ankles. Okay. So first it's seeping out from under the door. 
but now the waters are to the ankles. You see, God's desire for us Christians is not to stay where we are in our Christian walk. If we are still where we were a year ago, we are stagnant, and it's not where God desires us to be. There ought to be spiritual vibrancy. We ought to be growing. Our little children are wonderful, especially one around here that, uh, named Peyton. But anyway, um, uh, you know, they're, they're one of us. But it would be sad, would it not, if they did not grow. The, what makes it so wonderful is that we get to see the progress in their lives. It's a joy to, to watch that vibrancy kicking in and, and to see them growing in the Lord. But if they failed to grow, it would be a sad event for sure. And so now this water is up to their ankles. Are we growing in Christ? Verse 4, And he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters. And the waters were where? To my knees. That reminds me of a song. I know. This is not a song I really should sing, but I'm going to sing just part of it. She waded in the waters and... You guys know that song? Oh, man. I'm not going to sing it for you. And she got her ankles wet. She waited. And she got her knees wet. And then I can't finish it for you. It's not bad, it just, but it implies bad things as you go through it. You can get the idea. She finally got her bathing suit wet. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, the 1950s were a weird time. You know, I, I didn't grow up in the 1950s, but these songs that I sing to you, they all come from the 1950s. They're just, it's a weird time. I don't know what to say. Uh, but anyway, so now the, the water is up to their knees. I mean, at some point, we ought, to be, we ought to be finding that growing in Christ is becoming more and more of a challenge, but more and more of an excitement. Are, are we, I'm, I'm asking this as we kind of go through this passage. Where are we at in the water? I mean, is it up to, are we just watching it trickle over our feet coming through the door? Or is it up to our ankles? Is it up to our knees? Are we growing in Christ in such a way that we're actually seeing the progress that God has in store for us. Well, keep going. Let me show you what, this, what the Scripture says here. Uh, verse 4 says, Measure again, the water's up to the knees. And he measured it a thousand and brought me through the waters, and the waters were to my loins, not to my thighs. This is getting deeper and deeper. As, I, as I'm growing in Christ, there's more things for me to consider, more things for me to deal with, but it's not just consider. I want you to see what this water is all about. Because sometimes, anybody afraid of water? Be honest with me. Anybody out here afraid of water? You've got a couple of you say, I'm afraid of water. Okay, now I'm, I'm not afraid of water, but I respect water. Okay, I'm going to tell you, one of the, Pastor Andrew will tell you, every time our kids go canoeing, I am a nervous wreck. And I don't, I'm not a worrier. If you know much about me, I don't get nervous about much. But one of the most dangerous things we do as a church is take your kids canoeing. Because for the most part, our kids are city kids. You know, how, you know how often they canoe? Once a year when we take them. That's how often they canoe. And rivers are dangerous. They're just dangerous. And so I'm always, I was, I was Pastor Andrew usually says, Pastor John, you want to give them your lecture? Because he knows, I, I, yes, I want to give them the lecture, right? The lecture is this. A filled up canoe, this is what, by the way, they tell you if you pay attention to the uh, message that the canoe place will give you at the beginning. I just want to make sure the kids hear it. They're going to hear it at least twice that day. A filled-up canoe weighs about the same as a car. So once that canoe's filled up with water, if you think you're going to stop it, you're nuts. You're not going to, right? It's not going to happen. And then that river changes literally every day. As trees fall in and branches get stuck here and there and rocks move and everything else, 
Every day. So you say, I know this river. Nobody knows the river but God because it changes every day. It changes with little rain. It changes with a lot of rain. It's a dangerous thing. But God says to us in this passage, this water is not a danger to us. This water is something we want. This is something we ought to be attracted to. The desire is, send me into the deep. Let me have this water. And I'll show you why in just a little bit. Verse 5. Afterward, he measured a thousand, and it was a river that, could not, that I could not pass over, for the waters were risen, waters to swim in, a river that could, I couldn't just step over this anymore. At some point, our Christian walk ought to become a challenge to us. If we are living the life of ease in Christ, and we're never challenged by the things of God, then we're probably still back in ankle-deep water, stagnating. We've got to be making progress. We've got to be growing in Christ. And God's desire is to send us out into the deep. And there's a reason for it. Look at verse 6. And he said to me, Son of man, hast thou seen this? Then he brought me and caused me to return to the brink of the river. Now, when I had returned, behold, at the bank of the river were very many trees on the one side and on the other. Now, guess what? Earlier... A moment ago, when he saw the river and had to swim across it, that wasn't true. He brought me back to the bank of the river, and now I saw something else. Now there's very many trees. The idea is that there's a lot of stuff happening. There's a lot of good things happening because of this water, and you'll see what it is as we keep going. Verse 8, then he said to me, These waters issue out toward the east country and go down into the desert and go into the sea which being brought forth into the sea, the waters were what? Shall be healed. Healed. Now listen, this is the living water of God that we're talking about here. Whosoever will may come to this water. Whosoever thirsts, let him drink of this water and he'll never thirst again. This is the living water of God. It does incredible things. And we ought not be content with having our feet doused in the living water of God. When the living waters of God come in, things begin to grow. Remember Psalm 1? That, he says in Psalm 1 uh, that this man who, you know, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of ungodly, standeth away as sinner, sit in the seat of scornful, but is the light of the law of the Lord, and his law does meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree, planted by the rivers of water, that does what? Bring forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Who wants that in their Christian life? Or let me ask you this way. Who doesn't want that in their Christian life? Right? Bring forth fruit in his season, leaf not withering, whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That's what God's trying to bring us to. It comes as a result of the water. The water that is being bottled up at the beginning of this in the house of God. God's people are enjoying it, but they're not sharing it. And yet, as the water is unleashed, it becomes a torrent that is accomplishing some incredible things. Take a look at verse 9. And it shall come to pass that everything that liveth, which moveth, whithersoever the rivers shall come, shall live. Do you have some friends that need some help? Their lives are falling apart. They're struggling. You're like, I don't know what to do for them. Let me tell you what to do. Get them to the water. And the water is not inside this building. The water is to be unleashed. We're to take it with us. 
because the living water heals every living thing that comes to the water is healed. It's an incredible thought. Do you have some family members that are struggling? You know what the answer is? The answer is the living water of God. You say, Pastor John, my life is just not going quite right at this moment. There's, there's things that are just difficult. The living water of God heals everything that it touches. Sitting in this congregation are examples of broken lives, broken marriages, broken finances, broken, keep filling in the blank, reputations, that the living water of God has stepped in and the healing process is what we're seeing here. And God says, I want to take the waters beyond this building so that every living thing that comes to the living water might be healed. It says, uh, as we, we're still in the middle of verse 9, and there shall be a very great multitude of fish because these waters shall come thither, for they shall be healed and everything shall live whither the river, river cometh. I mean, God's word works 100% of the time. And the Spirit of God has the ability to do what you and I cannot do for our friends and neighbors, for our family members, for our wayward loved ones, for the kids that are struggling. We can't do this, but God's word can. And God's desire is not ankle deep. And I'm afraid too often the church is content to come here and to be fed. And we're revived every Sunday from the living water. And then we wade around in the ankle deep all week long only to come back and God says, it's time to open the doors and unleash the torrent. This is what God's desire is. There's so many people out there that need Jesus. So many people out there that need what we're enjoying week by week. But God's desire is that it, it go beyond these walls and accomplish many things. And I love the fact that God uses fish here. Because in the New Testament, Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. Remember that? And uh, he literally says to the disciples, you know, hey, you, you, think that that, you think that's a lot of fish? Wait until I use you. Wait until the rivers of the living water come into your soul. And you become the conduit by which the rivers of living water are sent out to a world that desperately needs God. And what, let's watch and see what happens. And those 12 people, literally the Bible says, turned the world upside down. That's what living water can do. Go down to verse 10. And it shall come to pass that the fishers shall stand upon it from Engedi even unto uh, in Egalum, and they shall be a place to spread the nets. Their fish shall be according to their kinds of fish, as the fish of the great sea, and look at the word, exceeding many. You know, ultimately what we want is for God to take what he's doing in us, what we appreciate so much that he's doing in us, and use us to go beyond us so that that world out there, the desert place that's out there, becomes a place of trees, a place of growth, a place of wonder, a place where the fish cannot be numbered. 
Get down to verse 12. And by the river upon the bank thereof, on this side and on that side, shall grow all trees for meat, whose leaf shall not fade, neither shall the fruit thereof be consumed. And this is what, this is what God's desire is that our church will become that conduit of the living water of God. Now, folks, I, I, I love what we have here. I do. I love it. I, I, I could live here. I do live here, by the way. But, I mean, I could, I could live here. I could invite you folks to live here with me. I love you that much. I mean, if, we, if, if life could be like a Sunday morning, wouldn't it be incredible? If life could just be Sunday morning every day, what a joy that would be. But God's desire is that it does not stop here. That we would then take the living water everywhere where it's needed. Well, let's take a look. We'll see how this works. It says in verse 12 still, Neither shall the fruit be consumed. It shall bring forth new fruit according to his months, because their waters they issued out of the sanctuary, and the fruit thereof shall be for meat, and the leaf thereof for medicine. This is what God's living water does. It feeds the soul it medicates, it heals, it takes care of it. All of a sudden, all of these things are happening because the living water of God is accessible. That's revival. This is what it looks like. Keep going. In verse 17. Skip down to verse 17. And the border from the sea shall be to Hazan Enam. Hazer Enam, I'm sorry. And the border of Damascus. And I want to get to these things. On the, and the north, northward. I want to just show you this. And the north, look at verse 18. And the east, look at verse 19. And the south, look at verse 20. And the west also. Here's the point. Where does God want his water to go? Everywhere. New Testament concept. Go you into all the world and preach the gospel in every creature. Revival looks like this. A church on fire is not the same as a church content. And I think we've become a church content. We could live like this. It's a great contentment. It's a joy to come to church, sing God's praises, rub elbows to God's people, be encouraged, be lifted up. We leave here every Sunday like, wow, what a blessing. What a blessing. Now, if we just had a good preacher, we'd have it made. Right? Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> I mean, it's, like, that's, it's, it's easy for us to get caught up in that concept. But that's not what revival looks like. Revival looks like when God's people come together and enjoy the blessings of God and then go out to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west, taking the living water of God to the desert places that so desperately need the gospel. So desperately. We, I do this. I do this in my sermons. You know, I... We can whine, gripe, and complain about the way society is going. And it is awful the way society is going. It is. You know what society needs? Some living water. Because everything that is touched by the living water of God is healed. Everything that is touched by the living water of God springs to life. That's what God's word can do. And it's taking us to, to get to the place where we're no longer content with ankle high knee-high, thigh-high. We want a water that must be swum through. Swum, swam, swimmed. We want a water that we have to dive into. Right? You get that idea? That's what we want. Or it ought to be what we want. That God set us on a course that is a torrent of his 
blessings to those who desperately need it. When is the last time we watched the water of God heal a desert? Folks, we live in a desert now. Spiritually speaking, we're a desert. And we can come to church and be encouraged and whine and complain about the desert we live in, or we can open up the doors and let God take us on a trip through the living waters that we are, we are able to see a desert transformed into an oasis, a desert where all of a sudden there's trees lining the side to the river of God that is going through it on the north, south, east, and west. Revelation puts it this way, verse chapter 22. At the end of the, when you get to the end of the book, in Revelation chapter 22 it says this, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, on either side of the river, there was the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. There's a continual bearing of fruit, right? And the leaves of the trees were for healing of the nations. And I love verse 3. And there was no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. Folks, this is where it wants to come to. This is the end. This is where we're heading. But we're going to get there through the living water of God. I don't want to be in Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 1, and the water's trickling out from under the door. That's not good enough. I'm not, I don't want to be content with ankle deep, knee deep, thigh deep, God, pour out your living water upon this ministry in such a way that the desert around us begins to blossom. The desert of our friends and our families that we have out here that God uses us to take the living water to. Heads bowed, eyes closed, please. Folks, we're in need of revival because of these things right here. Uh, we have a revived church in that we love what God's doing here. And honestly, I could live right here. I could. I, I, I wish you'd just all bring your lunches and we just stay and just, just be a part of the family of God. Like It's a wonderful thing. But there's a desert around us to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west. Would you join me in asking God to pour out upon this ministry the living water in such a way that we take it, we carry it to the desert places. Maybe you say, Pastor John, I don't want to be content with ankle deep. I don't want to be content with knee high. Pastor, would you pray that I will desire more of the living water, of the healing power, of the life-giving water that Jesus offers, and that I'd be willing to be used by God to carry it outside of these doors to a world that desperately needs it. Pastor, God, God has challenged my heart this morning. I want to be one of those ones he uses. Pastor, would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up when I say this so I can pray for you? Father, so many hands just shot up. God, as a church, we come to you and ask that you would just do something unusual as we prepare for a week of meetings. 
that, God, we would be willing to be used of you in ways we never imagined. That the desert places that are around us, the desert dwellers that we rub elbows with every week, would see and have access to your living water through our lives, through our mouths. Make us willing, God, to be used of you in a greater fashion. And we'll thank and praise you in Jesus' name. Your heads are bowed, your eyes closed for just a moment. You say, Pastor John, you're talking about living for God, and the truth is, Pastor, I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven. I'm just concerned about my soul, about where I would spend eternity. I'm concerned about whether or not I'm going to heaven one day. Well, there's a wonderful God in heaven who loves you so much that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for your sins, to pay your sin debt, and he offers you the freedom from your sin debt. He offers you the forgiveness of your sin through his son, Jesus Christ. And he offers it very simply. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. To trust, to place your confidence, your faith, in the God of heaven's gift, his son, Jesus Christ, and the work that he did on the cross as the payment for your sins. And a God who cannot lie will keep his promise. And we would be honored to talk to you about that this morning. We're going to stand and we're going to sing together uh, a servant's heart. And we're going to ask God to give us that servant's heart to take his word with us wherever we might go, uh, starting this week. And uh, we're going to pray that God bring forth a revival in our hearts. And if you would like to come and do business with the Lord, the altar's open to you. If you want to talk to someone about what it means to know Christ your Savior, meet me down front. We'll have somebody take you aside privately and, and talk to you about that. As we sing together, you step out, let the Lord have his way, would you? Make me a servant like you, dear Lord, living for others each day. Humble and meek, helping the weak, loving in all that I say. Here's my life, take every part. Give me, Lord, a servant's heart. Help me draw so close to you that your love comes shining through. Give me, Lord, a servant's heart. Give me, Lord, a servant's heart. Father, give us uh, the heart of a servant. Make us willing to be used by you. And Father, we will thank and praise you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Three things I need to mention to you. One is that at 2 o'clock this afternoon, so we've got a couple hours here for you to go and eat and do whatever and come back for the service this afternoon. Secondly, uh, and importantly, at the end of that service this afternoon, we're going to ask you to help us make a decision uh, and the reason we're trying to do this quickly at lightning speed is because uh, it's just timing with all of the events that are going on. We're trying to sandwich it into events. But we were able to get new office furniture for the church office. That's wonderful. Uh, but we figure while we're doing it, we ought to probably put down new flooring since it's about 20 years old or so. 
and uh, do some painting. And so then that got us going on the nurseries, which the carpet was put down at the same time of the office. So spit up and urine and everything else that's on the there probably needs to be removed. So we, we got some bids, uh, and so $3,300 is what it's going to cost to get all three of those rooms done in flooring. And uh, in order to get it to, they can start on May 1st, right, so, which is a week from tomorrow, that they can start on May 1st and have it done that week. So it's done before the ladies' banquet, it's done before revival, it's done in between the things that are happening. So um, this afternoon, we'd like for you to give us some direction on that. If you can, come ready to just say yay or nay so that we can uh, tell that company yay or nay and uh, go from there. And then the third thing I need to mention to you is that there, there are um, graduation open houses beginning to take place, and they're out there on the board. Uh, I don't know that we'll get all of them announced, but they're out there on the board. So if you would just make sure you go by and see those. How many graduates do we have, Pastor Andrew? Ten? Ten uh, high school graduates coming up. So uh, I don't know if all of them have an open houses or not, but they're starting to accumulate out there on the board. I thought I'd better start mentioning them or you might miss out on those. Anything else I'm supposed to announce? The Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you, give you peace. Love you all. God bless you. You're dismissed.